Does anyone else need a cocktail? I am on the inside like, oh my god. And you are, you are just an A-plus host. <laughs> I tell people. It was something like mother of alcohol, breaker of hearts. <laughs> I only drink hard alcohol when I have time to contemplate my entire existence, you know? Welcome to another episode of Cocktails and Contemplation. This is your host, Stephanie, as always, and I'm joined today by the sustainable guru herself, Kristen Mandela. Hi. (laughs) So before we get into this interview, I'll tell you a little bit about Kristen. She has an Instagram account called atthegreener.good, where she describes herself as a climate optimist, which I honestly feel like is a very good way to put it. (laughs) Like (laughs) everything about you is like so good vibes thanks dude and on it there's a lot of information about sustainability like slow fashion and veganism and plastic alternatives and there's also some very notable features from her foster dog which is honey is it honey? yeah she just got adopted recently oh she did sweet thing yeah she was so cute i loved it and fun fact we are recording this on earth day so it's meant to be. It is. It's very serendipitous, I feel like. It is. I actually really love it. I didn't even realize that it was all happening at the same time. And then I was like, wow, this is really perfect. Is there anything you would like to say in an introduction to yourself? I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I'd say, yeah, I have a platform called The Greener Good. I recently actually, just like you starting a business during the pandemic, I started my own uh, sustainable consulting business where I'm like giving workshops and lunch and learns and stuff to businesses like learning about how they can be more sustainable and that's like my newest kind of endeavor which has been very exciting and um, a bit scary to jump right into but otherwise yeah you can find me at thegreener.good I just like chatting about sustainable things what's your business called the same thing it's all the greener good yeah I love that oh my gosh I didn't know you were doing that that's so cool congratulations yeah it's just been new like end of March I was like you know what I'm just gonna try (laughs) so this episode we are working with a vegan grapefruit gin sour. Yes. I've had multiple recommendations slash requests to do a vegan alternative to an egg white. And if you listen to my episode with Annie Clark, you know that I am very afraid of raw egg white in my cocktails. With good reason. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, you, imagine cracking an egg in, oh, <laughs> into your gin and tonic. Like, it doesn't look good. No. Anyway. So a friend of mine recommended this thing called aquafaba. Pardon me if I (laughs) pronounce it wrong, which is basically the liquid that cooked chickpeas are in in cans. Yes. And then so when you strain it, usually you like rinse your cooked chickpeas before you use them, but you strain it into a cup and then you put that into your cocktail shaker. It doesn't look bad. Yours has much better foam. I didn't shake mine for nearly long enough, obviously. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. so we use fresh grapefruit juice and Mm -hmm. lemon, some simple syrup, gin, and actually Reed's gin. Shout out to Reed's. Yeah, shout out. Go find them on Instagram. They're really good. And aquafaba. And now I don't, I mentioned veganism, but Kristen is a vegan. Big time, baby. How long have you been a vegan for? I guess five years. Yeah. Which is nuts. Amazing. I know. Well, Ooh. should we try it? Okay, I did. Yeah, okay. we should. I did say this before we started recording that it has a small 
fragrance of chickpeas. Yes, <laughs> like, it does a little bit smell like a salad, but I think <laughs> I think it might be okay. I think all like the sugars and the citrus might yeah. maybe it's just on the nose. It's actually dissipated a lot for me when I was first shaking it up. I was like, woof. Okay, so same. And then farty. and then I was yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. All right, cheers from afar. Cheers. Yes, I like that. Is my microphone picking up the wow. ASMR that was my huge gulp? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I really literally. like it actually. This is very I'm, refreshing. This is really good. You know what? I don't usually put simple syrup in drinks. Like I find that I don't need it because I prefer bitter to sweet. But Me I too. think that it kind of makes it with the aqua. It balances it. Yeah. Pretty well actually. That's a nice I, cocktail. I agree. This is a really good cocktail. I'm gonna make. I'm not this. mad at it. I'm not mad. I'm at not. It at all. I'm also actually pretty impressed. Like I don't. The texture is a little bit different, but it's not so different that like if someone served this to me in a bar, I think I would notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it serves its purpose, which is nice. It's definitely the smell. The smell yeah, I would notice. The smell was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, don't be afraid of the aquafaba smell. It does go away. It I does. promise. <laughs> it, will, it will fade. Okay. That's really yummy. Mm-hmm. I like okay. I got a little chickpea aftertaste in that one. Okay. Maybe it's the wrong brand. Maybe I should try it with another brand and see. Like a less, a less chickpea aquafaba. <laughs> I wonder. I'm sure that there are. I know you can actually buy aquafaba that's used for like when I was working at a bar that was vegan and we had like sours. They had aquafaba powder and they mixed it with water and it had no taste and no smell at all. And we use that. Just texture. eh? Yeah. So Fitch and Leeds sent Kristen a cocktail kit. They did. They sent me everything that I need. Let's go. Thank you, Fitch and Leeds. Also, the packaging is beautiful. I like didn't want to touch. I love the packaging. So sick. It's so fun. It's cute. also just like the most fun thing to get in the mail. You're like, Ugh. what's the cocktail Getting things kit in the mail week? is just the best, especially things that you don't like, like you're not expecting. So thank you for that. You gave me a little a little bit of joy. I'm and so it had booze glad. in it. So yeah. <laughs> even better. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys want to try anything from Fitch and Leeds, I've talked we're not using one of their tonics this time, but Kristen actually got some in her cocktail kit. I did, to try and they look amazing. Time. They're really good. I talk about them literally all the time. People are probably so tired of hearing well, it. Well the packaging is just um, ten out of ten. And they're beautiful colors. Mm. I really like the colors. This whole podcast. So just if ends you up guys being us talking about, yeah. <laughs> so if you guys want to try them, you can go to fitchleads.com and use my promo code cocktails twenty five, and you'll get twenty five percent off all their tonics. And That's if you're in the GTA, which most of you are, because I can see where people listen to this podcast, <laughs> you you can get free shipping. So don't sleep on these guys. I know it's kind of snowy right now, but it's going to be hot really soon and they're going to be amazing in the summer. So that is for sure. That's cocktails 25 at fitchleys.com. Yeah. Um, also, if you have any recommendations for Aquafaba, let me know because maybe I'll try it in another podcast cocktail because this one... Definitely slight tinge of chickpea. Yeah, that's fair. Mine is almost fully gone now, which I'm grateful for. It just took it just took a hot minute. So we're talking about the greener good. And Kristen is, like I said, a sustainable guru. She talks all about how to be more mindful about your consumption and waste omission and what you can do at home, like slow fashion veganism and Yeah, like waste man yeah, waste yeah. management. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I like that. Basically, my hope for this episode is that you can educate all of us, me as well, like in what we can kind of do every day that you feel makes an impact or things that maybe that we don't know or aren't as globally known that you think should be known and how you got on this like sustainable journey where now you have your own consulting firm and a platform like what how did you how did you end up here? Yeah, that's I, okay. So I'll jump into like how I started and then I'll get into all the fun stuff about sustainability because I feel like it's 
it's kind of funny because I just decided (laughs) I just decided to be a consultant and I just registered my business and I started doing it and I think it was just a little bit of um I just had a little bit of an idea I think when I was seeing especially the environmental movement I think there is kind of this dichotomy if you want to say there's like the kind of light and fluffy folks that are like everybody's amazing the earth is beautiful and everything's perfect and just like pick up litter and then there's um the other side that are like very intense about education and maybe uh, a little bit alienating or not using the same kind of verbology or like they're not using the same language that a lot of people would really relate to or would find like super inspirational it's maybe a bit more intense and not in a bad way i follow majority of the people that i follow are in that camp and then what i really wanted to do was kind of hit people right in the middle i really wanted to make everyone feel like they could be a part of the sustainability movement because how I saw it was if we're only preaching to ourselves then we're never going to really get anywhere like if we're only kind of talking to people in our insular bubbles like I obviously have online especially a kind of eco group of people you know what I mean that I'm like consistently speaking with but the whole goal is to get everybody involved because we all care about the like the air that we breathe and the water that we drink and the food that we eat and I think that alone makes you an environmental advocate because I think we all love natural spaces in our own way like people have like cottages or or like cabins or a a favorite spot in their park that they like to go to like everyone is connected to nature in these like little ways but when we think of those places we're maybe not like bridging the climate crisis to those things you know what I mean like sometimes people don't always relate those things together so my whole goal was like really simplify sustainability so that everyone feels like there's no barriers to them entering into the movement a way that I would describe your platform is very approachable. Mm, Like there was one time where I didn't know what to do with my old shoes. And I was like, there's so much plastic and stuff. Like, I don't know if these are recyclable. And I literally just DM'd you. And I was like, yeah, can I recycle shoes all the time? (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's so funny. And I, I love it, honestly, because the only thing that I get on my end is people care. Like, you cared you didn't want it to just send it to the landfill if you had to get like you know what I mean you you were curious about what to do with it and I think that's something that really keeps me going because I think a lot of people are like oh well we're just we're we're I don't know can we swear on this podcast yeah absolutely okay like we're fucked you know what I mean like humans are just like they're the worst we're so we're so wasteful and we're so this and we're so that and people are filled with a lot of apathy and inaction because they're just like well it's kind of too late you know what I mean and I think I don't think that's the case at all. And that's why I kind of always say that I'm a climate optimist because from all the interactions that I'm getting from all these different people, I really feel like deep down people care. They just don't necessarily know how to be involved. And that's why I think there's there was a space for me to to have my particular brew of activism. <laughs> but I'm drinking this really fast, by the way. So I am too. Like, I... By the end, I'm just like, <laughs> it's really yeah, I'm getting so excited chatting. The other thing too is I feel like sometimes we get like, overwhelmed by the critical condition of the climate crisis that absolutely like and especially within the pandemic when like we weren't allowed to bring our own grocery bags to the grocery Mm -hmm. store and stuff like that that like was a setback in a way that's almost hard to now like navigate back into and I feel like we're really hard on ourselves sometimes and so like little things like I don't want to just throw my shoes away if I don't have to like how can I properly recycle these shoes it can be really intimidating and sometimes it's hard to find the answer. A guideline or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I think that's the one thing I had such a hard time reckoning with when the pandemic hit was that I was such a perfectionist before. I was like, okay, I can only get spinach if it's not in that those boxes and I can oh my gosh, only yeah. buy this if it's not like that. And I was so 
I was literally nervous if anyone saw me walking down the street with a plastic bag because I was like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm a fraud because like in, in my head, things were very, I didn't see anybody else that way necessarily, but I saw myself and I like I had to be perfect in order to have the right to talk about it. And I thought when the pandemic hit, I was like, wait, that's the entire problem is that people don't feel like they can talk about sustainability unless they're doing it perfectly. And I think that's a really big issue is like, you should feel just as comfortable being like, hey, I really care about this, even if you're not 100% perfectly informed on it, or even if you're not like perfectly zero waste. But I feel like when the pandemic happened, obviously everyone's priority shifted because <laughs> it's a pandemic and we were just trying to like not uh, have a mental breakdown, which I ended up having anyways. So all good on that front. <laughs> Big same. Yeah. But so it was kind of one of those things where I had to also let learn to let go of my idea of like being a perfect um, activist or a perfect environmentalist because um it's it's just not even sustainable in terms of like a, a habit way you know what I it's mean it's not black and white like it's not no, like you're never. perfect or you're and not like, right no totally and like depending on where you live and your access to, to f- certain types of foods or your access to different types of things like it's going to look completely different depending on your economic situation de- depending on everything and at the beginning I didn't see it like that I was like there's no excuse for you like blah 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 I used to always see these like, huge exclamatory like statements and now I look back and I'm like oh my god literally shut up <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like <laughs> have a bit more grace, have a bit more compassion. I had always compassion for like people, for like other people and for like animals and the earth. But like when it came to people that I was talking to about this, I was like, there's no excuse. And now it's just all about showing grace and showing compassion in those moments. Cause it's like, we don't really know what we're doing. Like everyone's just trying their best genuinely. You know what I mean? Yeah. To go back to like, I guess my, my origin story, if you want to call it, Let's is I was traveling for a while in Central and South America. I was working with an organization and we were doing kind of like volunteer projects and all this kind of stuff. And I really had a hard time because I didn't really feel like what we were doing was necessarily helping the communities as much as it was helping, like, to be honest, like the rich white kids that were coming on for like a cultural experience. They're like, this is a cultural exchange. I'm like, I feel it's pretty one way towards you just like taking things from them. But anyways, all good. Not what the podcast <laughs> is about. But I had this kind of like reckoning where I realized that a lot of the things that I was seeing in these communities were actually like sustainability issues or like symptoms of the climate like of the climate crisis and when I came home I kind of wanted to like like dump all of this on my friends and my family and I realized that it wasn't really effective activism to make people feel terrible for their decisions you know what I mean and I think some activists kind of I'm not even calling anyone in particular out necessarily but like some activists do feel that level of overwhelm and maybe if they're younger like I was at that time like they don't necessarily have the communication to be like okay like somebody's not receiving my information that well you know what I mean but I was you can't so frustrated into receiving it better yeah I think I just um I learned slowly how to backtrack out of that type of conversation that was like kind of combative and that was how I stumbled on like I was like hey I think I have something here like I think how I communicate with people about sustainability invites people in rather than scares people away and I had a lot of good reception from that so I kind of just ran with it and that's also why I wanted to have you on the show because there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I don't know that I wish I did or I want to get more informed Mm -hmm. on and so when I say that my goal for this episode was to be educational it's like in a hopeful exciting way like I wanted to ask you a lot of questions and also expand on like what your thoughts are on I guess just like living in Toronto in the way Mm -hmm. that we are all are right now especially amid like pandemic shutdown where yeah Doug Ford (laughs) calling you out bro so in your opinion do you have something in mind that you think we should all be doing whether that's like a small act on a day-to-day basis that you believe might impact our sustainability 
That's a great question. I think it, I know it's like a bit of a cop out, but I do, I do think that it looks differently for everyone. But at the same token, I think there are things that we can do every single day um, for ourselves and for like our communities and people around us that do definitely have like ripple effects. Like for me, I litter pick, like I always pick up garbage publicly. Usually like I live close to College Street uh, in Little Italy in Toronto and like I always pick up garbage. And I think I get people that are like, good job you know what I mean and then for me I'm like maybe that person will then go down the street and if they see garbage they'll be like that was a nice lady that did that I'm a lady now for some reason (laughs) and and they'll do it you know what I mean I I try to think of ways of almost like paying it forward energetically if we want to get like all frou-frou with it but I really do think that when you put positive energy out into the world and you're like you know what I want to do something small even if it is literally one piece of like or like a, a little recycled bottle or something and you throw it away properly I do think that it has a ripple effect. So that would probably be my first thing is just like trying to do something that like makes either the world or like the, a person in your in your life better. And then I do think that when you also get outside in nature in general, it becomes so much easier to be an advocate and a steward for nature when you feel connected to it. Like I think it's really difficult for us to expect like especially people in urban environments like if you live in a condo or something to feel super connected to our natural systems if you feel super removed from them you know what I mean like how am I going to ask like somebody that feels super removed from all these different things to then fight tooth and nail or maybe go out of their way to do something if they don't even really feel bothered by it or or connected to it at all so I think any way that you can spend time in nature and connect with nature is also always a great place to start and then lastly slowing slowing down these are all very abstract concepts or like i guess suggestions but i think we mindlessly consume things a lot and it's something that i've noticed in myself that i do a lot and now when i try to buy when i go to buy things i just ask myself and i have to answer honestly and it's okay if i don't like say the right answer but if I, i ask like do i really need this do i really need this honestly And if I say no and I buy it anyways, that's also totally fine. But I try to have a dialogue with myself where I'm trying to ask myself, do I need to buy this? Do I know what it's made of? Do I know what I'm going to do with it when it's done? Like these kind of things that come up time and time again where it stops me for a second and then I get to really reflect on whether I need to purchase it in the first place. And that helps me with not like mindlessly consuming things that I don't necessarily need to bring into my life. One of the quotes that you said on your Instagram is the most sustainable products are the products that you already have. Mm -hmm. And that was like so true in my eyes as well. Cause like, I do think that people get caught up in like the beautiful side of being sustainable. Like, Oh, we all love bamboo. super aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) The bamboo products and like, they are great, but like, I have a drawer of Tupperware at home that I like, know that everyone has like that yeah. Thai food takeout container drawer yeah. in their house. Oh my house. god, I hate and it those may not freaking look like bamb- I know the black the terrible. black ones you can't recycle. I'm like, I have I to keep these I can't. <laughs> forever. Yeah, I literally have like this like shame cupboard at the top <laughs> that has like a big pile of them because at first before pandemic, like me and my partner, we would walk to this Thai food place near when I was living with um, like Robbie and Trav and Kevin. Yeah, and they would always take our containers and then they would fill it with their food and then we would rinse them and bring them back. And like, that was our Thai food place because they were always so wonderful about it. And then obviously when pandemic happened, that wasn't possible. And now I was like, well, I just love Thai food so much. But I found out that there's actually a few organizations. Maybe I'll message them to you. Yeah. um, So you can put them in the show notes that are actually accepting donations of those Thai food containers, either for meal at home kits or for like art projects and stuff. So I'll let you know. I'm going to find a link for that. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Because I I need to drop those off as well. (laughs) But it's so true that everything that we have 
at home already is like the best place to start with being sustainable. All I feel like Absolutely. I get caught up in like wanting to make action right away and not like you said, totally. slowing down. And, and then you kind of burn out. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think, it's so true. Like, I think it's really easy because to be honest, especially how a lot of like Instagram influencers, and I don't mean that in any which type of way, but I think um, people that maybe have more of a sustainable angle really lean into the aesthetics of it to make it look really dreamy and really nice. And I think there's a big benefit to that because I think people do have like their weird connotations or at least they used to about sustainability. But I think it also sends a bit of the wrong message that we need to consume ourselves out of like into sustainability. Like we need to buy this hemp like fabric or we need to get you know what i mean like in order to we have to have like an eco babes shirt or something like that it's like no like just wear the shirt that you already have you know what i mean like we don't need to be buying more things and although that probably isn't as sexy of a message uh i think it's more true (laughs) yeah and a good way to start too when we all feel powerless and we think too deeply about it and get existential and have a meltdown oh god literally all the time (laughs) everyone's like have you seen the new documentary i'm like i can't i have panic attacks so i literally cannot watch them i watched the trailer for before the flood eight years ago i have not been able to i cannot watch it one time literally curled up in a ball so i and it's hard because i'm already I'm already exposing myself to the information all the time. I'm in a, like a bit of an insular vacuum, especially on Instagram with all the people that I follow. Like they're all, almost exclusively sustainability people. I feel like I'm being inundated with this information all the time that sometimes if I'm watching a movie, I'm like, I just want it to be about something stupid. I don't want to watch anything mm-hmm. more because I'm already, this is why I'm a sustainability advocate. I already know how terrible it is. I already know how terrifying it is. I don't need to be watching it after my day of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what was your thoughts on the new documentary? I'm like, it was fine. <laughs> I can't tell them that I haven't seen it yet because I'm like, it's just hard on your mental health, you know? Yeah. Climate anxiety is a real thing. Okay. I have to I have to say something and it's kind of weird and some people don't believe me, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> okay. I feel horrible when I eat plant-based because okay. my blood type, this is what my doctor told me, my blood type requires more iron or something. And I, so I like feel so guilty every time I eat red meat because I know how bad it can be for the environment, but I literally find myself like craving it very often. Mm. Do you have really low iron? I don't think so. As far as I know, I don't, but he, he, my doctor told me that it's not uncommon for O negative blood type to like need more red meat. I don't eat it. I think that's what I am. Oh, really? Are you a universal donor? Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. So what's your excuse? Ms. I don't you know. know. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. No, I think it's it's such a personal thing, right? Like, I think it's really difficult to be like, well, there's just one perfect way for everybody to be eating because it's so not, that's so not the case. There's yeah. so much culture and geography and accessibility that goes into it. So I'm not like blaming you at all, but I find that interesting. I've never heard that before. Like I, I was a vegetarian for a long time in high school, like seven-ish years. And then- wow. Yeah, it was a long time. Kind of weird. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I just like, I guess it was all of a sudden like an adult. And then just like me, I, I was like, I want to eat Your a body steak. changed. I don't yeah, know what yeah, it yeah. was. Because like, I was really happy being a vegetarian. And like, I was good. Mm-hmm. And like, but is there something like, other than being vegan? Like, what, what do you think is a really important step that we can take in our diet in specific? That mm-hmm. might help work towards being more sustainable or something we should be educated at in that yeah I mean I think it's a good question I think it's a difficult question to answer only because I do think that people's I'm always wary to give too much advice around food just because I feel like people's relationship with food is so intimate and I feel like 
I also understand that people have like a lot of issues around or not even issues, but like relationships with like disordered eating and all that kind of stuff. And I know that veganism has also sometimes been an avenue for people to exacerbate potentially their disordered eating behaviors. Um, And I want to be really like cognizant of that. I think I've always had a pretty healthy relationship with food luckily. So it's never really been a big issue for me, but taking your situation into consideration and just taking it, it all into consideration, red meat is far and away the most environmentally damaging um food that we can consume i think there's an argument that can be made for a lot of things but i think in terms of like like pure co2 output um water waste and land use and all these different things like it's it's an incredibly inefficient way for us to be getting food because we're basically clear-cutting rainforest or clear-cutting forests for either for the animals to graze or we're clear-cutting it so that we can monocrop food to then feed it to then get it uh to be slaughtered um so the amount of water usage that that stuff like that takes is just it's pretty incomprehensible so if you're in a position where you don't really want to eliminate meat products i think that's fine i'm not here to tell people how to eat i would say as much as you feel comfortable limiting it i think is a great place to start what i really would suggest is thinking of it as the resource um, intensive product that it is so i think like when we think about diamonds or we think about all these things that we know like took a lot of like work and resources to get to us we treat them like that i'm not saying that we should treat like a steak like a diamond i'm just saying (laughs) i think people are like hamburgers whatever like throw it in like mac and cheese throw it in whatever and i think if we just understood just how incredibly um demanding it was on earth's resources to consume even a pound of beef i think we would have more appreciation for it and maybe consume it more mindfully and less often so i think if anyone could reduce or eliminate their red meat consumption i think that would be an amazing place to start otherwise i would just say get curious about your food system i don't know where everybody lives obviously you said a lot of people obviously in southern ontario but anytime that you can get kind of closer to how your food is grown if you can make your own garden if that's like a possibility for you i think that's amazing and then like forging connections with people that you can sell your food i think anytime we can avoid big grocery stores as much as possible because they're also responsible for an incredible amount of food waste that's always a big plus so supporting local and getting curious about where your food comes from and then you'll be more grateful for it and you won't want to waste it as much and you'll want to actually appreciate it for all the land and the water and the resources that went into it which i think is a really big part of sustainability and like that mindset shift you know yeah my dad actually has a vegetable garden that he <gasps> grows like all Love of that. our lettuce and stuff in the summers not so, so much sweet. the winter that's yeah. the hard thing about canada too is like you don't it unless all shuts you have, down in the winter <laughs> yeah unless you have like an indoor style yeah like i know some people who are re- got a good green thumb and they can do that stuff inside that's but unreal yeah i'm not quite there yet i'm, <laughs> I'm not soon. either do you have a few products that are your favorite right now or that you think everyone should have in their homes or in their lives 100 percent, i do i actually <laughs> lol i'm gonna pull up my own blog post because i'm do obsessed it. with myself no i'm just kidding because i literally just <laughs> wrote <laughs> i just wrote my favorite uh like plastic free products on my website because i released a like a sustainable blog post every Wednesday and I just wanted to remember all of them because I genuinely stand by every single one that I mentioned because I'm not really super into like over consuming obviously as you can tell from this conversation so far but there are a few products that I've I've been doing this for now I guess like whatever six years 10 years of like caring but like more actively in the last three years and I've tried so many different products so I'm just like I don't want people to waste any more of their time this is you know what I mean so the first one Take notes, people. 
Yay for Earth Moisturizer. It's a lotion that is made by this um, eco-activist, sustainable like activist uh, named Stevie. And it's the best thing I've ever put on my face. It's so incredible. It's so nourishing. Um, every single ingredient she hand sources. Um, it actually isn't a vegan product because she uses beeswax, but she literally like takes you to the place that she gets it from. It's supporting local beehives. She gives like a portion of things away. Like she's just unreal. And I really stand behind the product. I think it's super healing and super wonderful. I used to have discoloration like hyperpigmentation from picking all of my like skin things when I was younger and it like helped with so much of it and now my skin is much better than it ever was honestly only took me to get to 29 to stop getting fucking agony but all good (laughs) (laughs) and then the second one that was I was saying like deodorant was a big thing for me because I didn't find natural deodorant was effective at all but the one deodorant that I've been using for probably like a year and a bit now is Dom's D-O-M-S it's made in Canada too it's so good and I talk about them all the time because genuinely I've probably tried like a baker's dozen of different deodorants and then I found theirs and it's in a glass jar the only weird thing is though I don't know if this is weird for people but you have to scrape it out with your thumb and rub it on your like with your finger and like rub it on your armpit which like I'm sure some people are not down with and that's totally fine but I dig it because it works and it smells bomb those are my top two though where can you find the blog post is it it's uh thegreenergood.net I love that. I've tried natural deodorants and I just have never had success. So maybe I'll try that one. Honestly, you should. I'll I'll genuinely refund you your money. <laughs> you don't That's have to do that. That's how much I believe in this product. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a car salesman all of a sudden. No, but I will I, I pay you to buy yeah. this product. Well, just because I actually, I think some people are so nervous because obviously smelling bad is the worst feeling. Like when you're like, I stink, you know what I mean? You're like, I'm a garbage oh, yeah. person. I am yes. a trash panda and I hate feeling like that. I'm and that's why panda. I spent so much money. Like I went to native deodorants. I went to habitat deodorants. I tried all these different ones. And I'm like, these make me smell good for like a solid 30 minutes before I start smelling again like trash. And this is the only one where I'm like, I smell good all the time. I love that for you. I'm really happy to not have BO anymore, guys. <laughs> be like a little bit too much. If I was like an eco-consultant and I smell bad all the time, it's like, okay, we get it. You're leaning in a little hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a vegan too. What's Yeah, next? it's a lot. What's I have a lot next? of stereotypes. It's a lot. <laughs> I'm just accepting it for what it is. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> okay. I also had to ask you a question, um, mostly out of my own curiosity. Are aerosol cans horrible for the environment? Yeah. So the thing that actually used to make them really bad for the environment got banned, like I think a decade ago oh so i think they've had to change their formulas don't quote me on that let me get back to you and then maybe you can update but i remember looking it up and it was like no that was kind of like a fear-mongering thing that happened early on and then they very quickly got rid of the formula the other thing i want to ask you about is vegan leather how do you feel about vegan leather because in my head it's just plastic that people market as a sustainable alternative right totally agree it is plastic so i think if you are to buy leather i would always and it it doesn't bother you that it's obviously like for some vegans it's like really difficult because it feels like it's like the skin of animals and that's like really difficult for some people it doesn't super bother me because i'd rather it not go to the landfill so for me i actually uh when i was a vegetarian i refused to sit on my mom's leather couch (laughs) no way i love that that's unreal honestly i probably would have been there like a few years ago but um (laughs) So, like, I have a vintage leather belt that I've had for, like, I've had it, like, for a really long time, like, probably upwards of five years. But um, I think it's all about your your idea of sustainability. But for me, I would probably avoid buying a vegan plastic 
item. I also wouldn't buy a, like a leather item though. You know what I mean? Like I don't think I would buy either. <laughs> so you guys are at a loss there. I would just say wherever you can, like I would always opt for like a leather vintage alternative. Like if you're going to go to a thrift store and you need to get something that's leather, I would get it there rather than creating a demand for more animal products to be made by buying something that's new that's leather yeah but there is also incredible technology that's coming out in terms of like cactus leathers and stuff like that like there's new purses and bags that are coming out that are like 100 percent made from cactus and they look and feel like leather and they look amazing if anyone's curious Whoa. it's it, green girl leah just posted about it leo is with an h and she um did a collaboration recently with this brand that like kind of hacked how to make leather out of cactus and it looks so cool so wow. I think that would be my answer. I would probably just get, if I could get my hands on it, I would be like, I'm going to wear cactus leather pants now. <laughs> it's my brand. I've never heard about that. That's really fascinating. Cool, right? Yeah. I've heard about some controversy about the Beyond Meat Burger Ooh. and that it causes, or not causes, but takes a lot of water and energy that it's in some ways matches getting meat. I don't know 100%. And I obviously should have done my research before asking you about it. No, that's all good. I'm curious, honestly. Um, I haven't I haven't heard that, actually. I, I, I genuinely think that that can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> there's, just, there's just no physical way. And I... Okay, so... And it isn't. I was really quick and I Googled it. So it says, um, this investigation investigative team discovered that beyond burger generates 90 percent less greenhouse gas emissions requires 46 less 46 percent less energy and has 99 percent less impact on water scarcity and 93 percent less impact on land use than a quarter pound of beef that is pretty good <laughs> so i think when you say 99 percent of anything i think you're i think it's okay <laughs> i think it's pretty I good i think i think whoever told you that might have been talking out of their ass and that's totally fine I think a lot of people find it um, – it's, it's obviously an uncomfortable situation when it feels like people are, like, stepping on things that people like. Like, you know what I mean? It just it feel, it makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable, and I think that's obviously understandable. I would only recommend people be open-minded, just like how you would hope that somebody would be open-minded to something that you really cared about. I think approach yeah. new foods or, or, or new things with the same level of open-mindedness because, hey, you might actually like it. You might not like it the same way that you like beef. But I still think it's worth trying because if you do like it, then you're opening yourself up to a new food. And that's always a good thing. And in the process, you will be a voting for like more plant based alternatives to go onto the market. And you're also, um, yeah, reducing your impact by just eating a meal that doesn't have animal products in it, which I think is great. OK, so I honestly thought that was fictitious, but I yeah, yeah, did all no good. research whatsoever. So no, no, no. All good. I mean, I think it's important to to. Um, to talk about stuff like that because I think it is really easy for false information, false information to get disseminated that way, and then people are like, "Oh, well, I heard it's the same." Like there was a Joe Rogan podcast that I remember. It was like, "Well, you're mowing down rabbits and stuff when you're doing monoculture cropping." And it's like, "Well, people that are eating meat are also eating vegetables." Like that's not a that's not a you know what I mean? Like it's not a, an like an accurate argument. I think veganism for me has always just been about doing the least amount of harm that I can not only for like my own body because I feel so much better on it, but also for the planet and for obviously animals. So it's not about being perfect for me. I think a lot of people are really like, obviously I just told you I use like a beeswax, like a, a product that has beeswax as an ingredient. I don't really see it as something that's super linear. I think it's all just about uh, doing your best, doing your research and yeah, trying to trying to do the least harm that you can.
I think that's a really healthy way to look at it too because when you do hold yourself to an impossible standard it can be really debilitating like yeah and I think with food especially it's difficult to kind of to dictate people's relationship with food like that and even yeah you know what I mean like no one feels good when you're feeling terrible about the food that you're putting in your body so for me aligning my actions to my values that way feels really good but if it doesn't feel that way for other people like who am I to say what you put in your body you know what I mean yeah oh yeah for sure um one thing in the world of sustainability that I don't think gets talked about a lot and I've kind of done some research on but I don't even know like it's definitely not enough is the omission when it comes to travel especially Mm. planes Mm -hmm. this might be a little bit too big because I know that um the main projection of your platform is about like everyday sustainability and that's like kind of a bigger conversation but um is there anything that like you can enlighten us on or make people aware of just like how detrimental flying is? I don't know. Yeah, just totally. like, like I said, kind of educational point of view mostly. Yeah, totally. So I think it really depends a on where you're traveling to, how you're traveling, like what kind of flight or like what even kind of airplane you're on. I think it's difficult because obviously flying in a plane is incredibly like it it is really damaging you release an incredible amount of co2 into the atmosphere it's quite resource extensive to fly planes thousands of planes fly in the atmosphere every single day so it's obviously like an imperfect scenario i think the problem is is that when we put a lot of the weight and the pressure to be perfect on ourselves we're always going to be let down because to be honest like it would be different if let's say even across Canada if transportation across Canada was better if there was more train routes if there was more accessible price points for train routes a lot of people would prefer to take trains um, I, I feel like uh, especially for the views and the experience if it was at an, a response or at a reasonable price point but I think we can't blame ourselves too much if we're trying to get somewhere and we have to get there by plane because there isn't the infrastructure to get us there by alternative means. Like sometimes you have to get somewhere by flight. Like I used to literally work internationally. So obviously you have to take flights. And so giving yourself a really hard time for that, I don't think is necessary. I mean, during COVID, who cares? Like we're not really going too many places anyways. But I think it is important to understand that there are ways obviously of lessening it. Like there's um, a few websites and you can just google obviously if you if and when you buy a plane ticket but you can carbon offset your flight and it costs maybe depending on the flight like 50 to 100 bucks extra which i know not everybody has obviously but you can literally buy the carbon offset so the other like plant extra trees or like restore wetlands or do all these different things that will restore carbon or that'll like sequester carbon from the atmosphere um for the basically the carbon price of your ticket i didn't know about actually maybe i did i think i've seen the um carbon the carbon things yeah yeah that's a awesome initiative yeah totally and there's different companies that do it and there's different ways to go about it i just think making sure that you're doing it with a company that um is at least doing it in a way that you can understand so like if they're just like we're gonna take away the carbon you're like okay like maybe dig a little bit deeper but there are (laughs) companies that are doing good work you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely that's kind of reassuring because I feel like a lot of guilt when it comes to planes and totally yeah so and I, I have family in Australia so like flying is something will that will probably forever be in my life and, and that's yeah that is what it is you know what I mean I think there's limits to it right like there's if there's ways that we can incorporate sustainability more I think it is like I don't like acting like oh it's all a big balance like I just think the system isn't perfect like it isn't set up for us to have like a zero carbon emission just by being a person you're gonna emit carbon and I think that's just like that that is what it is 
I think our relationship with the planet and trying to be as conscious as possible is where we should be putting our energy, not like making ourselves feel bad for things yeah. that we're going to do anyways. But carbon emission can be manageable. Like they're like the, the trees, like the infrastructure yeah. of mother earth, like mm-hmm. makes up for our natural carbon emission. So like for sure pre-industrial revolution it was doing a great yeah. job of doing that yeah doing a, a fantastic <laughs> was job. doing it was killing it yeah like i i do see what you mean about like be feeling guilty for just like having to exist yeah and i think that feeling doesn't help anything you know what i mean yeah we can't wallow in it for too long because then we have to ask ourselves like who is this really helping by feeling this way all we can really do is is do the best that we can with the things that we can control and otherwise kind of just wallowing in self-pity isn't super helpful and I think we yeah we aren't set up I'm good at it though yeah 100% we do (laughs) (laughs) but I just mean like we weren't even set up for success to begin with you know what I mean so it's like we might as well just try our best I know we've talked a lot about sustainability but I wanted to touch on waste a little bit before Mm -hmm. we kind of wrap up about uh just like everything I mean, like, waste and sustainability go really hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But, like, do you have any input on how we can limit our general waste? Like, whether that's proper... um, Like, compost, recycling. Compost. I was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I saw you there. Yeah, I was like, what's the word? (laughs) (laughs) No, 100%. I actually have a good recommendation, especially because you said that a lot of your listeners are from Southern Ontario. I use an app called the TO Waste app. Whoever's listening to it, open your app. Like open your app store and open it and download it right away. It's something that I use all all the time. It has a search bar function. That's basically the only thing that it provides. And it tells you what bin basically every, anything that you can think of throwing away would go in according to the Toronto Municipal Waste Management Systems. So it's super helpful for me because things like if you have a pizza box, for example, that doesn't have any grease stains, then it can be recycled. But if you have a pizza box that does have grease stains, it has to go in the green bin. So there's a lot of things like that that I didn't necessarily know about before. I got a little bit more curious. When it comes to waste management, it's kind of a hard thing. It's so dependent on where you live, obviously. But I would just say there's been this new phenomenon. It's called wish cycling, where people throw out things in the recycling, hoping to God that they're recyclable, but not actually doing the due diligence to know whether they are recyclable or not. And what it's doing is it's really overwhelming our waste system so that a lot of the things that would be recyclable get sullied by the non-recyclable items and it all gets diverted to the landfill. So there isn't enough human power right now in, especially in Toronto, I know I'm sure this is the same for a lot of cities where they can't go through and sift through every single item that's coming in because they're getting millions upon millions of things every single day to, to ensure whether it's recyclable or not. So as soon as they see a bag that has something like, let's say a coffee cup, coffee cups are not recyclable. They have to go in the garbage. Uh, coffee cup lids on the other hand, depending on the color of them, can go into the recycling. Same thing with the sleeves. But if they see a coffee cup, for example, in a recycling bag, they're going to throw that entire bag in the landfill because they don't have the time to sift through every item and make sure that it's recyclable. So it's kind of our job as citizens to do our due diligence to make sure that whatever waste that we're inviting into our life, we're then responsibly disposing of. And that's kind of how I see it is like, okay, I kind of really craved Thai food. I have bad period cramps. Don't at me. I want to eat a shit ton of Thai, like pad Thai. It's now my responsibility to figure out what to do with that pad Thai container. I think that's like an important way of looking at it. And the TO Waste app helps me a lot. I just downloaded it. That's why I was nice. on my phone while you're. I love that not because I, I was... figured. No, I figured so. That's great. <laughs> I was. It is texting. honestly, it's, it's so helpful. And like every time I'm ever like, okay, I wonder where this goes, 
um i always just i open it up quickly and i just look it up because then i just feel good knowing that i've put it in the right bin even if it ends up going you know what i mean we can just try our best (laughs) okay so that's the to waste app is that to waste app yeah it's wonderful I, that's a really interesting term, wish recycling. Is that what yeah. it was? Wish cycling, I, yeah, same wish thing. Wish cycling, sorry. Like, uh, that makes total sense to me because I've, I've definitely been For a sure. culprit of that yeah, in absolutely. my day. But Well, it's easy to, right? Because it feels better than throwing it out. Because yeah. you're like, well, that that's worse for some reason. But when in doubt, throw it in the landfill because it, it would be better for it to go directly to the landfill than going to a recycling center and then having to get diverted to the landfill or just download the app. I think that's just the best way to go. I wish I had like a stock in this app. I tell, I tell everyone to download this app. I should be getting like a cut of the profits. From <laughs> you the should have a discount code every time someone yeah. <laughs> they put in discount code. You, you get, get like, like a cool tonic company and my discount codes for a TO waste app. That seems fitting actually. <laughs> it's very on par with our two podcast yeah, fee. Very oh, on brand. Um, plug your podcast tell us about it that's coming yeah soon. okay Sorry. actually this is very exciting and i, I just love, finished my gym sour i'm really excited. yeah you're like Woo, let's go girl um no that's so wonderful that you remembered because i would have forgotten actually so it's called accidental friends it's with my friend lean degian and the two of us we both grew up in toronto but we come from completely different backgrounds she comes from a very conservative and um, armenian background where she like wasn't allowed to have sleepovers and she like had a very early curfew and every person that she dated was supposed to be her husband and i came from like a bit more of um like my my parents were divorced and both remarried and i have like a brother and a stepbrother and a half sister and it was just always kind of like this chaotic fun mess and i went to kenya alone when i was 16 like with like a 20 year old tour guide person so like we had completely different upbringings but we agree and disagree on so many important issues so we started a podcast called accidental friends mostly called that because we literally met by happenstance while we were both in new york city even though we were both from this uh, from toronto and We've just been friends for like five years now. So every episode we're diving into kind of like a different issue. So whether it's about body hair or like both of our identities or um, I was always friends with guys growing up and kind of dissecting me taking that on as an identity and being cooler because I was only friends with guys and like kind of the inherent misogyny around that. Anyways, it's really fun. I'm making it sound like it's like not fun, but it's absolutely hilarious. (laughs) So it's good. It's going to be releasing... Um, I should probably have this date. <laughs> I should probably have this date <laughs> handy. But it's the first. It's the first Thursday of May. Um, so go follow um, the Greener Doc Good. Yeah. At the Greener Doc Good. That's uh, Kristen's Instagram. And then Accidental Friends Podcast, which is the podcast coming out May sixth. Yes. And mine. Follow me too. Yes. Cocktails please. and contemplation. There's no and, just n. Is there anything else you would like to touch on? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. And I just think if you are interested in hearing more from me, obviously you can just follow me. And then again, um, my website is thegreenergood.net. And I release blog posts every Wednesday if you're interested in reading a little bit more about the stuff that we talked about. But otherwise, I think you got a good sense of me. So that'll bring us to the last segment of our podcast, (sighs) which is called Wed Bed Behead. Wow, I love that. (laughs) Wed Bed Behead. Okay. I'm getting yes. it. Got it. Yes. Hit me. It's similar to another game. Of I know, but I name. like this better. It's a way <laughs> better name. <laughs> I'm going to do wed bed behead. Okay. Activism. <laughs> okay. Craig Kielberger. Oh, God. Terrible. Free the children. Okay. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> okay. Love her. Yeah, she's awesome. But she's also underage. I'm not really in. Sh- okay, keep going. Uh, but think about like, oh yeah, she's no, oh, she's 18 now. Oh, okay. I'm looking her up at the same. I'll time. coach then. That's fine. <laughs> I'll coach. I don't know if it's that kosher. Who would be good? 
Oh, David Attenborough. Oh, that's David Attenborough. Wow, you really ran the gamut age and gender there for me. Interesting. Okay, so okay. Craig Kielberger, I'm gonna kill. Just straight off the What? Bat. Really? Yeah, he got like I worked for that organization for a while, no shade, but like not super great. Plus that whole that whole organization got like super shamed for how they ran things. I think his heart was in the right place. I just think when people get too famous too soon, it does something to their ego and they just get kind of weird. And I met him in person and I was like, you don't really seem like a real person. Um, oh God. So my, my options now are to bed Greta Thunberg or marry or opposite David of At- David Attenborough. Wow. What the hell is wrong with you? You know what? You know what I'm going to do? I don't know. I'm going to bed know. David Attenborough because he's been years. He's probably great in the sack. And then I'll say that I'm going to get married to Greta Thunberg because then we can just have a sexless marriage, but we can get along and we'd have great conversations and we'll start another podcast. A nice asexual <laughs> marriage. Exactly. Perfect. I literally was going to do the exact same thing as you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Except I did have a really big crush on Craig Kielberger in high school. I met him a few times. I think that was natural. I also did like, too. I, he came to speak at my school a few times. And one time he's like, oh, hi, Steph. Because I like talked to him the first time and I was like, bah oh my god but then but i think the answer remains that's a hilarious game wow it is i'm gonna play that all night tonight i'm trying to like look up different people and make my roommate play with me (laughs) i hope you enjoyed our aquafaba vegan grapefruit i did greatly soda oh no Mm -hmm. not gin and soda it's gin sour Gin sour it was really tough yeah this was a really good cocktail though i really enjoyed it and thank you so much for coming on the show i'm so excited to have you here i hope that you guys learn something or so it sparks something in you if you have any questions i'm sure you could message kristen uh, at at the greener dot good always my dms are always open is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up just thank you thank you so much for having me i love your podcast and i think this is a great platform honestly you're doing a great job thank you yeah it's been really fun all right everyone thank you for tuning in and always remember to drink and contemplate responsibly <laughs> that's my tagline <laughs> I love that.